Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. What is up, everyone? I hope all of you can hear me. BYU takes down Wyoming 38-24. to I'm still here in Provo, myself and Matt Biamonte. Cougars get the win. It's not a win, Matt, that I think everyone's feeling happy-go-lucky about. That's definitely the feeling that I got from Kalani Satake in the post game as he continued to focus on the rhythm. But a win's a win, and BYU now is 3-1 and one on the season, Matt. Yeah, a win is a win. In fact, we just took an elevator ride with Kalani Satake as he was making his way over to Greg Rubel and the the uh, BYU coach, you know, coaches post game show, and kind of kind of reiterated that point. Just not a good enough rhythm. Uh, he was not happy with the play where Fisher Jackson was penalized uh, when John Nelson uh, appeared to have scooped up a fumble and was running the other way, and then. He cut blocked someone. He wasn't happy with that, and I think that man. There's so many. There's so many ways to go with this, Mitch. Uh, I think. I think we start here. I think the biggest surprise of the night, Mitch, was Miles Davis. Chris Brooks only gets two carries for ten yards and a touchdown. Miles Davis leads the team in carries, thirteen for one thirty-one. Has that long run of seventy. How surprised were you? that Miles Davis became the workhorse in this game and, and that Chris Brooks was essentially benched. I was surprised, very much surprised. I, you know, I just felt that Chris Brooks was still head and shoulders the best running back uh, BYU had, and it was only a matter of time that that guy just three weeks ago who had a massive performance against USF was going to have another big game. And – uh, to see it turn like this, very surprising. Uh, you know, but hey, Kalani Satake said that they wanted to ride the hot hand, and well, that hot hand was Miles Davis, and uh, they kept riding it. And he, as you noted, he averaged ten point one yards per carry. That big run of seventy yards obviously uh, lifted up that average quite a bit. But yeah, it was definitely surprising uh, to not see Chris Brooks at all, and. Basically, as Kalani said, it's now running back by committee, which, you know, says that Chris Brooks lost his starting job. And because going into the season, Chris Brooks was head and shoulders the guy. He was the number one running back. Aaron Roderick, without any hesitation, said Chris Brooks will be that first running back against South Florida. And then three weeks later, he's he's benched, basically. Very surprising. I, I did not see that coming at all. I mean, I, I thought Chris Brooks was going to be a thousand yard rusher for BYU. That's what I thought he was going to be. And maybe the attention needs to be on Miles Davis, who Aaron Roderick consistently the last two fall camps has sang the praises of Miles Davis as a playmaker. Uh, so it was only a matter of time that we saw Davis have a big game, and that time showed up tonight. 
Yeah, I, here's the thing, though, Mitch, for me, is I think it's a little unfair. Like, I, I, I don't buy the narrative that Chris Brooks wasn't effective in these past two games because he's not a good running back. I just – I did not think that the offensive line blocked particularly well in the run game, and I didn't think they did so tonight. Like, at the end of the day, they ran for 188. But if you take that 70 off the board – at the very end of the football game where Wyoming is gassed and they have got nothing left and the game is over, you take that 70 away, they're barely over 100 yards rushing. Even with Miles Davis having, you know, you take those 70 away, he's still, I think, carrying about five yards to carry. But I didn't think the line, again, for a third consecutive week was that good in the run blocking. And I, I just, I'm not ready to say, Chris Brooks isn't any good, and that's why the running game wasn't working. I, I just I just don't believe that. And so it'll be interesting to see what's going forward because it is clear that Miles Davis probably has the most burst and acceleration in the running back room. We saw that on multiple runs tonight. There's no doubt that this you know that Aaron Roderick and the offensive coaches love that. I mean, who wouldn't? When you have that kind of speed and acceleration, that is a weapon. But I just I don't think that is a uh, an indictment on Brooks or Katoa, I still don't think that the run game has been fixed. Even though Miles Davis had a breakout game, I'm not feeling great about the run game right now. Are you? I'm not, no. I, I still have a lot of questions. And as we've seen before, uh, once a BYU player has a breakout game, uh, they then get elevated on a scouting report and they can be kind of neutralized. That was the case for Chase Roberts against Oregon after his big performance against Baylor. I, I think the big issue that I have coming out of this game, and, you know, BYU gets a, a, a two-touchdown win. That's that's nothing to ever scoff at because, you know, it, it could easily be in this era of college football where you're seeing Miami lose to Middle Tennessee. You're seeing all these upsets in college football. There, there's something to be said about simply getting the job done, getting the victory, and getting out of it. With uh, without the, the upset happening on your home turf. So there's something to be said there. But I think what the issue is, is it feels like BYU right now, coming out of that Oregon game, is, it needs to be a team that's building momentum towards that Notre Dame game. And I don't feel like any momentum was created from this game. I mean, Jaron Hall, I, I feel like we saw what we expected him to do. I mean, we, we've had a high expectation, you and I, for Jaron Hall. I think everyone in this Twitter space feels the same way. Uh, but I think that ultimately, uh, you know, I don't look at this BYU team co coming out thinking, oh, they're in a better position tonight to be in a spot where they can take down Notre Dame and Arkansas. Because you saw once again with Notre Dame, they've got the ability to put up some points. I know North Carolina's defense is horrendous. But, North, but Notre Dame, for 60 minutes, We'll be able to put out a great product. I'm not worried about Thursday night. Utah State is downright awful. Uh, they lost again today to UNLV. I mean, you think about the teams, uh, you know, Utah State is losing to UNLV and Weber State. Uh, that is uh, some awful, awful losses that the Aggies are experiencing. So I'm not worried about Thursday, but I'm I'm kind of all, all attention pointed to October 8th, and I don't feel like BYU made uh, progress as a team to be in a better spot to get ready for that game. Sam Farnsworth, KSL TV 5. He's joined the space. We need to get this guy involved. But I, I, I love that point, Mitch, as we wait for Sam to jump in. I love the point that you just made because it, it's it's really nice to see Miles Davis have a, a breakout performance. It's very nice to see Keanu Hill have a breakout performance. He was great. Chase Roberts played the first half and then, you know, did not play the second half. He was in street clothes. We don't know why. Keanu Hill stepped up. Braden Cosper had a really nice game, although I'm bummed about that drop because I thought that would have been a really cool play where Russell – I just said Russell Wilson. Jared Hall goes Russell Wilson, dances around, <laughs> extends the play. You know, that would have been a, maybe a, a top-10 type play where Cosper goes one-on-one, -on -one, high points it, gets into the end zone. Would have been a cool play. He drops it, so that didn't happen. But I love that these guys, the different guys are stepping up, up each week. I just think the problem is it's hard to do that week after week after week and win football games when you don't know who you can rely on outside of Jaron Hall. And maybe Jaron Hall is just that good that it's that's that it doesn't matter, and, and that's going to be good enough to get to nine or ten wins. That, that could very well happen. 
but I think the best football teams in college football know who they are. They knew they know who they're relying on week in and week out, and that just has not been the case for BYU football. So it's 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 bittersweet. It's it's awesome that you have these new guys stepping up each week. It's it's great, but I just I feel like that is it's hard to win double digit football games when every single week you don't know who's going to be playing, who's going to be stepping up. It's it, it, there's just a lot of shuffling of the deck right now. Uh, Sam, you're here. First, before we get into this game, just quick recap. Did you sleep in a little bit last week before you got on that early flight to Eugene, and how was that experience at a small airport? I knew you were a Broncos fan, Matt. I knew you were. I just have wow. to put that up. You're, because you just were talking about Russell Wilson. Oh, I was talking about Seattle Russell Wilson. This this uh, Denver Russell Wilson. He's not doing any of that stuff. Sam, understand the space. Read the room. Read the room. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, last week, guys, for those who were on last week, uh, Matt and Mitch gave me some tips about the little Eugene Airport. Here's the problem that I have. Uh oh. Whenever I travel, wherever I travel, I am so paranoid that I'm going to sleep past my alarms and miss my flight, that I still didn't sleep good. But the extra time did make a world of difference. Um, And uh, getting through that little airport to come back home from Eugene, oh, my gosh, what an awesome experience that was. No line, just zipped right on in. It was beautiful. So there's my recap from that. You were, you were on field level, and Sam, of course, is on KSL 5 TV. He'll be having the recap on KSL Sports Live tomorrow night. Uh, you were at field level here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. <laughs> Your initial takeaways from BYU's 14-point victory over the Wyoming Cowboys. So the first thought, and I'm not trying to be negative, but the first thought was uh, – it, it, I, I feel like this is directed more towards the the referees, but it felt a little sloppy at times, right? And yes. there, there were there were some legitimate penalties that yes, they they deserved a flag. For sure, there were, all, there were also times where it kind of almost felt like the referees were inserting themselves into the show, so to speak. Yep. Right? They're like, "Hey, shine the spotlight on us a little bit here. We're out here performing too." And I I just don't like it whenever I see that, whether it's basketball, football, whatever it is. I'm like, come on, put the po- put the flag in your pocket, swallow the whistle, just let these guys play. Sometimes now, if if uh, BYU legitimately is is um, you know making mistakes and and doing things that are contrary to the rules of the game, then yes, you should you should throw the flag on it. But it just it just really felt like they were inhibiting any type of rhythm to this football game from either side. Uh, that was that's honestly that's like the first thought as this game wound down for me. Um, the, the second thought, and and as the game progressed, especially in the second ha- half, I kept asking myself, where did Chris Brooks go? Where, where did Chris Brooks go? I mean, Miles Davis was doing great. But I was just like, what happened to Chris Brooks? And, and then Kalani talked about it in his post-game remarks, saying that he just wants to ride the hot hand right now, and the hot hand was Miles Davis. And then he even mentioned it's going to be kind of a uh, by committee situation. So I, I don't I would, believe I would, that's I true, like Sam. Get, I would like to get both of your takes on that because to me, I felt like that was a little bit of a, a surprise to go. Uh, first of all, I don't like any position by committee. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, but I, I would like to hear what your guys' thoughts are on, on Kalani saying that the running back position is a by committee uh, situation right now. I don't believe it's true because Miles Davis said he didn't know that this was going to be happening. So it, it, there's there's mixed stories as to how this unfolded today where, you know, Kalani said it's running back by committee. Miles Davis didn't know it was running back by committee. So, um, I mean, I think going forward, it's probably going to be Miles Davis getting the bulk of the carries. But uh, what unfolded tonight was a surprise. Yeah, for sure. So that's what I was wondering if maybe he was referencing moving forward that it's going to be uh, split carries or, I, you know, if it's situational, depending on what they see on tape as they prepare for an opponent or, I mean, I, as we know, the running game has been kind of absent. If, if you know, they were good against uh, South Florida, but those last couple of games it was 
a bit absent. And so um, that's definitely been a talking point. And then tonight it emerges thanks to um, Miles. And, and another interesting point that Kalani said that you can only blame the offensive line for so long. He said that too, right? He's saying these Very running backs have to make plays. They have to make plays. And so Miles Davis made plays tonight. So is, you know, I don't want to read too far into, into comments, post-game comments, but is he kind of uh, tracing an outline where moving forward they are going to transition and give is Miles Davis now the guy who's earned the right to get the, the, uh, the first reps of every game. So it's yeah, going to be an interesting situation to watch. I think – Chris Brooks got benched. I mean, that's that's just what it seems like. I mean, that, that's what it feels like. Uh, you know, each they it went. Well, Petey Cotilla drive number one, Miles Davis drive number two, Chris Brooks drive number three. They each got a care. They each got a drive, and then you know, Lopini got factored in a bit. But then Miles Davis, as Kalani noted, they rode the hot hand. Uh, you know, I, I it'll be interesting to see. What happens going forward? I wonder what's going through the mind of Chris Brooks because uh, I can't imagine that was what he signed up for, uh, stepping out of the portal, grad transfer, uh, coming to BYU and riding out his last year, uh, sitting on the pine, getting two carries. Uh, again, when three weeks ago he was outstanding. It he just, averaged five yards a carry and he scored a touchdown <laughs> and then he got benched. But you know what? But hey, like Miles Davis is a stud. Like I think yeah, Miles Davis got sure. a bright future ahead too. And and I think that you know Davis could be really good. And uh, you know I, I just you know he was a bright spot. And I thought Keanu Hill was fantastic tonight. You know BYU's depth has clearly been tested at wide receiver. Puka Nakua goes down with an injury. Uh, we asked Kalani uh, in the post game. I asked him you know what the the deal is there. I said. You know, because in the radio broadcast and looking at it, looking at it live on the field from the booth, I thought, are they looking at his knee? So I asked, you know, is it is it a knee situation or is it an ankle again? What's the deal? Uh, Kalani didn't get into the details. He did say on the BYU Sports Network post game that it's not season ending. Um, that's what he told Greg Rubel in the post game. But man, I feel for Puka Nakua because that guy just—he's always always getting hurt. It kind of reminds me of Anthony Davis for my beloved Lakers. I, it's I, it's always just every time I'm holding my breath for Puka Nakua, every time he touches the ball. Uh, but, you know, Chase Roberts also gets sidelined. He played a few snaps in, in half number one, and then he's off to the side. Uh, Gunnar Romney was in the pregame warm-ups, uh, but ultimately did not go. He was on the bike a lot tonight during the sideline. I will not uh, – I will admit, guys – that I was scanning that sideline like a hawk tonight. It was just like nonstop. That medical tent was going up and down, up and down. I'm like, when is this going to stop? This medical tent just keeps going up. It's a, it's nonstop. Uh, it was just like, how how much is BYU's injury uh, bug striking once again? It was having flashbacks to, to last season. Alex Curie's joined. I, I can't imagine what he's going to say right now, Alex. Go ahead. Have your lap. Yeah, for those that do not realize, I don't know if Alex is added as a speaker yet. Okay, there we go. Uh, Alex, of course, host of KSL's Unrivaled on the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, Alex, what's, what does Matt have to do as punishment now for the outcome of this game? Alex is on mute. No, I got you now. No, I'm. Uh, there we go. I'm gonna. I'm, a, I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let Matt do what his heart feels is right. To feel like, uh, you know, if he's doing, he's got to do the right thing. I don't want to embarrass him in front of the other media guys, but you know, you say something on the radio, you got to live up to it. So, apologies, yeah. Matt. But hey, yeah. here's here's the here's the best here's the best part though, Alex. What what is a cowboy? I mean that that there's a wide range of stuff. I feel like if you know, I could uh, I could be I could be a. uh, It's all good if you want to go buttless chaps. That's up to you too, bro. I mean, hey, I don't. I'm not gonna. Can you imagine how how long would I get away with that here? Yeah, Brett Pine would have your butt out of the uh, media booth in two seconds, and I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him. 
Uh, I was, you know, I, I, we were having this, uh, we were having this discussion in the post game uh, on the zone, and and I was, uh, you know, I I went through the laundry list of people that were hurt, and I went through the laundry list of of penalties, and I decided to go. You know what? Look at the look at the receiving night from Keanu Hill. Look at the numbers from Miles Davis, and look at the ridiculous numbers from Jaron Hall. I decided to enjoy that this was a really, really good win, despite the fact that they didn't get to the twenty-one point. You know, everybody's it was there was a Greg Rubel reference to covering the spread tonight during the post game during the Wait, game. What? Yes, no way. it was it was hilarious. I was like, Mitch Harper will be losing his mind if he heard this. Greg goes, Now you're not gonna cover, but uh, it's still a fourteen point win. I go, Who is he talking Whoa. to? I know. I was like Listen, what's going to happen? The brethren are going to start getting involved with some uh, with some Caesars Sportsbook. I don't know, probably not. But it was a hilarious moment that I thought, "Oh my goodness, I got to tell these guys about it." But I decided to go. You know what? This was a good. This is a really good uh, win in a lot of respects. The game was freaking weird, thanks to the and it was herky jerky, thanks to the refs. But you know, it was also thanks to some dumb mistakes by the by some of the BYU players, the gritty not included. The gritty needs to be allowed as a celebration that's in the approved non-flag, non-penalty dances. Uh, the gritty needs to be allowed. I, I will say, too, uh, Matt, uh, you know, your your cowboy costume that you're going to have to wear Thursday night. I pulled up the uh, Toy Story Woody's Roundup. <laughs> you have this in the background. There's a snake in Matt's boots. Um Hey, hold on. The reason this came up is the only thing I I even closely resemble to a cowboy. Anywhere last year for my son's first Halloween. So we we, there was Bo Peep, Woody, and he. (laughs) If I'm gonna if I'm gonna pay off on my word, that's that's what I have to wear. Woody's roundup coming to Lavelle Edwards Stadium next. Night. How about this? How about you wear Bo Peep's outfit instead to the, that's to worse. the stadium? You know that's worse. You, wear the Bo Peeps? you know that's worse. <laughs> it might be better. It might be better. Uh, Hema Hemuli's in the chat. Hema, what's your thoughts on the Cougars' fourteen-point victory over the Pokes, sending Wyoming back to Laramie with a big L? What's up, gentlemen? Uh, first off, I just wanted to say, uh, so when you sport these asses chaps, Matt, is it going to be streaming on kslsports.com? Yes. Or where, it's going, where, where can we catch It's going to be – there's okay. going to be – Mitch is going to film me. It's parking lot. He's just going to – it's going to be a continuous – Canyon, up the so, elevator, so is, and then into the press box. <laughs> Okay, so on his Instagram live, got it. Um, and then as for Greg Rubel uh, citing uh, the odds makers, I'm now emailing a strongly worded email to uh, <laughs> the third floor of our building. Um, <laughs> no, guys, this is a good win. I, I think, <laughs> I think. Uh, okay, I say good win in the sense of you like BYU to win even though there's a lot of things they can get better at, right? And um, I think this fits into one of those things where there's a lot of mistakes made. Um, there's calls that play calls that could have been better, um, players that could have performed better. But considering, like, it's a strong win um, against a pretty good Wyoming team. Um, so those are just my overall thoughts, um, first of all. And then second of all, I wanted to get what you guys – your take on this. Uh, I tweeted earlier in the night how I, I think A-Rod is a genius offensive coordinator. Um, he is really good at, you know, misdirection, at gadget plays. Um, but what he lacks in or what he could get better at is just straight-up football plays. And I just wanted to, like, talk about just briefly real quick about what I mean, like, um, all the scoring plays for BYU, right? Uh, the first one was Chris Brooks's straight-ahead run. That was a that's a straight-ahead, straightforward football play, right? Just like a dive, I think, is what it was. But then the next touchdown, the Braden Cosper one, was kind of like 
uh, Jaron Hall looking right and then looping around and throwing left to Braden. And then the Cody Epps touchdown was kind of like a rub, right? And then um, the Keanu Hill touchdown was kind of another similar, like a rub type play, um, if I'm not mistaken. So what do you guys think? Do you think Aaron Rodgers just needs to get better at, you know, down management, maybe running straight ahead, maybe, I don't know, if I'm just spitting. Uh, yeah. What do you think? I thought the, I thought the personnel groupings at times tonight were, were an issue. Uh, I think that's something that needs to be corrected. If you want to get the best 11 on the field at all times, I don't think that was always the case uh, this evening. Uh, but, you know, I, I still think that, um, you know, BYU in the second half offensively, I thought they played really well. And I thought that uh, the offense w- was executing at a high level. And I thought that uh, this was Jaron, honestly, you know, even though the, the game feels kind of like a pedestrian performance, just a solid win, it was maybe the best game of Jaron Hall's BYU career, 320 or 337 through the air. Four touchdowns, 81% completion rate, 211 QBR. Jaron was fantastic, and uh, you still feel like you could, you know, have a lot more to offer from the offense. I think that's that speaks to how good Jaron Hall could be. Uh, but, yeah, I think sometimes the personnel groupings uh, were a little bit of a question, but I think at the same time I'll give Roderick the benefit of the doubt. He was losing personnel left and right on the fly, and he had to adjust accordingly, and – I was thoroughly impressed with the, the depth of the receivers. Braden Cosper, what a great story he is. Uh, a guy from Bingham High School who uh, has had so many injuries. He ditches the number 85, goes to number 20 as because he feels the number 85 is truly cursed, and it's the reason why he kept getting injured. Uh, he's having a lot of success now, and I thought that was great to see. As we get the vacuum coming into my booth here in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. <laughs> Uh, one thing I do want to bring up with Hall too, uh, and, and him, I, I think, I think I know where you're getting at. Um, I, the, the one area that, and, and this might be a sensitive subject, but the one area that I do think Aaron Roderick could improve is maybe force feeding the playmakers in certain situations a little bit more. I still feel like Isaac Rex is not being used correctly. I, I feel like there's more opportunity for eyes, you know, and, and there's a, a, a number of situations in these games where I feel like, is there not a seven yard route on a tight end off the line of scrimmage that can get you seven yards and move the chains on a third and six? I just, it just doesn't feel like there's any of those in the playbook where it's, and, and that's where BOU has made a living at the tight end posi- position throughout history. Dennis Pitta, Chad is just an easy dump off to the tight ends and then if they break a tackle they get some yak so uh that's the one area i would like to see but um you know it's it, it's hard to it's really hard to criticize jaron hall right now when, when he's distributing it the way that he is 81 percent completion percentage you know i i think there's also a lot of autonomy too for jaron hall to run the offense the way that he sees fit but um i, I can see where you're coming from him Hey, on that first touchdown scoring drive, <clears throat> uh, to go along with this this tight end narrative, um, I I thought here we go that deep pass to to Isaac Rex. I'm like here we go. This is going to be a tight end game, especially in the wake of the news that that you know came out this past week with Dallin transferring. I'm like this is the game. This is where Isaac steps up. You know, Kalani said or who is it? I can't remember if it was Kalani or Aaron Roderick. Uh, Aaron Roderick said earlier in the week that even at 80%, Isaac Rex was still the best tight end on, on the team, right? And um, so I thought, okay, here we go. They're going to they're gonna highlight him. They're going to use him. They're going to you know, kind of prove their point here that, that Isaac is the guy at that position. He had the one catch, and then just kind of like what you're saying, the, the opportunity to feature the tight ends felt like it, it just went away. But uh, Alex, I, I, I sat in with Alex on Friday on his show on Unrivaled for about an hour and a half, and one of our guests was uh, Dave McCann. Um, and Dave said, and I've heard this this from from others as well, but Dave pointed out that Jaron just doesn't see over the middle of the field uh, well, and and that is maybe part of the reason why the tight ends aren't 
um, being used to their potential. I, I don't know if you guys have, have noticed or if you agree with, with that yeah. narrative. If, if BYU maybe wants to use these tight ends, but it's just not working because the quarterback maybe can't quite get the ball to them in those situations. Yeah, yeah Sam, let me, let me elaborate that a little bit because I, I agree with that statement. Um, you know, earlier this year, I don't remember when exactly, someone, PFF or someone, put out a heat map for Jaron Hall and it was ice cold in the middle. Right. Um, and now, now we know that Jaron's an elite quarterback. We saw him make those elite throws, but they typically happen on outside, like in between the, the out of bounds line and the hashes. Right. And what we mean by like, he doesn't really see in the middle of the field is um, there's a lot of bodies in the middle of the field. It gets kind of bogged down. And more often than not, you know, Blaine Fowler and I were talking about this the other day. Like, uh, for a quarterback to throw in the middle, like, you know, Max Hallwood or, or Zach um, Wilson would, is it takes a lot of um, anticipation and trust, right? Where a backer moves, you throw into that space where the, back, the middle linebackers moved, and your tight end would be there. Or uh, someone running a drag would be there. And it's, it's a lot more trust, a little bit more scary, a little more of a risk to throw in the middle of the field. And uh, Jaron Hall just doesn't do it. Now, I don't know why. I mean, maybe he's just, you know, that's a risk that he doesn't feel comfortable with making. Or perhaps he just doesn't actually see the, the, the movement of BYU's players, you know, behind the backers. We, I'm not sure. But that's what we mean by Jaron Hall not being able to see down the middle of the field. Now, kind of to go with what Mitch said, um, you know, elite tight end quarterback tandems would often, let's say like Tom Brady and Gronk, right? If Gronk's flexed out, he'd give Tom Brady some kind of signal or Tom would signal him and he would just run an arrow straight into the middle of the field into space and you just hit him good for like six yards a pop, right? If you needed six yards or something like that. But we haven't really had that, and it's a wonder why having such a big body like Isaac Rex. So um, I'm not quite sure what the solution is or when when that will develop, but I think Jaron Hall's next step is to make that kind of vision possible for himself in the middle of the field. I don't care about the vision if he's completing 81%, throwing 337 and 4 <laughs> TDs. Emma, he can throw it wherever. He can throw it on the sidelines all day long if that's going to be the results. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um, but, you know, if you want that, like, quick, you know, arrow route, five-yard yep, dump off, sure. that's, that's part of his game that he'll have to develop. But I agree with you. You know, if he's getting it done in the air, let him get it done in the air. His long ball to Keanu Hill, that – really put the game away. I mean, the game was over at that point, but that thing was a thing of beauty. Perfectly hit Keanu Hill in stride, I think, which allowed him to drag his defender into the end zone. Today will be a game for Hall where I think in the in the springtime, we'll be seeing a lot of throws from this game on the NFL Network when they're breaking down Hall's resume for the NFL because his back shoulder to, to Hill in the first quarter was was phenomenal. His touch pass to Keanu on the first touchdown was, I thought, a great pass where he floated it in front of him and he ran under it for the score. Obviously, the long ball. I mean, this was, this was, I, I think, clearly Jaron Hall's best game as a BYU quarterback. It was, it was very impressive. Just the all the different types of throws that he made. There were some lasers to fit into tight spaces. There were some touch passes. Uh, he, he just felt really accurate today too. So I was I was super impressed with Jaron. I like I like that we talked about Jaron earlier this year. I think it was the USF game where he took a risk, tried to fit in a tight window. It didn't work out, but I think we said that you know we liked that he's making those kinds of uh, attempts. And because I truly believe that because he tried to make those tight window passes, like he was testing his limits. That's how he had the game that he had today. He knows where his limits are and he's slinging it all over the place. It's really, it's really fun to watch. There was, there was a pass he completed. I'm pretty sure it was to Hill in the first half. That was like the definition of threading a needle, hitting that tight window. It was just, it was beautiful. It was perfect. It was towards the sideline, the right sideline. Um, 
with a with a defender underneath and a defender on top, and he just split it right. It was just yeah. Jaron Hall is a very very talented quarterback. Even even if he's ice cold over the middle, he's got all the skill sets to be a very successful quarterback. Here's a question for Alex: uh, Are you ready for your beloved Seahawks to spend a first round pick on him? I saw. I think Tony Jones from the. Uh, from the trib actually said uh, the uh, tweet that he sent out was Jaron Hall equals Russell Wilson. And I said, we got to stop with that stuff. Cause I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think the comparison is totally there yet. Although I think we're all excited about how the arm strength is definitely there this year versus what it was last year. So uh, what's wrong with lock? Will you stop it with? Uh, will you stop it? When, when, they, when Gene, Hey, when Geno Smith is the guy still, and like, and like, uh, and Drew Locke isn't even. They don't even show him on the sidelines. Like, I'm, uh, I'm depressed about it. So move on. The Mariners are going to go to the playoffs, and uh, so you guys can all stuff it. <laughs> Does uh, Jaron Hall make the team do pass ball calls on the sidelines? I haven't heard, but um, that's that would probably be the next step to him becoming a uh, Russell Wilson. I think. Well, that's the thing is like think about how much they've tried to tell him. Uh, and it's weird because think about how ineffective he's been on the ground this year compared to what he's done. I mean, he had a couple of, of more than, uh, you know, I think he had a 10 yard and maybe a nine yard run tonight. But like before that, it was, I mean, we haven't really seen a, where he reads the defense like we saw last year and he just like breaks out and, 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 uh, and breaks off the entire defense and no one catches him. And there's a couple of times there where you're, where you're going, Oh, it's not there, dude. And, and and they don't want it to be there for him, really. That that is a last resort situation. You had the one, uh, the, the the second rush of the night that he had was a was like a called quarterback draw. The other one was just like a bailout of a of of a different situation. And so him running the football is uh, like it's overrated right now. It's not working, and you don't need to make it work. You know, you gotta. You saw that all of BYU's. Uh, you saw that all of Miles Davis when he started to really get it going. These were all stuff that were way outside of the tackles, right? And so they start to stretch that out a little bit, and they're not trying to run between uh, the, just those uh, B gaps and C gaps and stay right there. They were really stretching it out. That got everybody on defense had to get had to respect the edges because Miles Davis is different than Chris Brooks in that respect. And so then you saw things open up. So I, I think the, the run game. You know, and Kalani said it. You got to wait for the for the, or you can't blame the offensive line. You know, after a certain point, um, but they were losing the line of scrimmage at the beginning of the game, and so you can blame that on them. Uh, but once they made those adjustments at the half, I was really impressed how they made that work in the second half with Miles Davis. It was kind of funny in the post game remarks when uh, when Davis was in there taking questions too. He was in there with Hall, right, and. Uh, and someone asked him if, if his teammates were giving him crap for for not scoring on that long run, for running out of gas. And uh, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I, I'm pretty sure he said, uh, Jaron knows I'm still faster than him, something like that, right? So <laughs> I, I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, if, uh, if it's true, then what you're saying is also true, Alex. Just I don't think they want Jaron always taken off, no matter how talented he is. Um, with his like, I want to ask a question though for for the panel now that I've got the floor, um, <laughs> and uh, and I know Hema's got uh, hopefully some some insight on this as well. But and maybe it's just the the way they're running the offense right now. But how come fullbacks haven't been make fullbacks great again? Right? Don't Hema? even don't but, get me started on this. Sam. No, I've been no, begging I, for the fullback tonight. Yeah, and and you know whether it's Mason Wake, whether it's Houston, I still. I still feel like the, the, that's a talented position, uh, a versatile position, right, in that H-back kind of tight end, fullback, whatever you want to call it, role um, that we just haven't seen as much of that, that BYU has used more of in the past. Well, it, it, before Hammond jumps in here, I just want to add, too, you know what it also helps with? The run game, run blocking. Like That's yes. what I want to see. Get another blocker on the field. Okay, Hammond, go ahead. Oh man. Well, I I don't really know to be honest. I don't that's not a good answer, I know, but I really I really don't know. Um my theory is 
Um, they're still trying to figure out the best combination of offensive linemen for certain things. Um, maybe they're still like shuffling people around, but I agree with you. I mean, um, Wyoming gave us like a good solid four different looks, right? In like the first quarter, you know, they went eye, they went, um, you know, uh, pistol, they went, they had a bunch of stuff. Um, I even tweeted this, but like, for the first time ever, BYU did run two backs with Lopini and I think Chris Brooks was who was on the field at the same time. They ran like kind of a pistol kind of look. Um, so that's the first time they've had two backs on the field at the same time. So my best guess is is A-Rod is still trying to find the right combination of things to happen. I, I don't know. That's not a satisfying answer, I'm sure. But Emma's too that's close my to best the- guess. Emma's too close to this. You can't ask him this question. <laughs> but, but part of it, part of it is, is that uh, part of it is, is like, what would you want him to run? Like, wh- when you when you say you'd get an extra blocker, Matt, that that sounds fine. But then the part where you go, oh, I want him to incorporate the fullbacks more, whether it's it's uh, you know whether it's Houston or whether it's Mason. It's like you know, what what do you anticipate that they're just going to suddenly? Start handing uh, the ball up the middle right. for a fullback dive. Like, no, no, but no, 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 no. Twenty twenty is what we're looking for because Wake well, played right. fullback in twenty twenty. Right. He wasn't a tight yeah. end in twenty twenty. He was a fullback. I think that's the role that maybe people who have the same uh, train of thought uh, would have is, hey, you know, maybe there's ten or so plays a game where rather than having Lopini and Chris share the backfield or Lopini and Miles or whatever it is. It's Mason or Houston, and then there could be a play action dump off to the flat, which we've seen in Mason Wake dozens of times, or it could just help with the run game. I, I don't want them to go full Stanford on us here and run I formation a bunch and and you know two tight ends, full back. You know, there's no skill positions, but I do think there is opportunities where having a full back on the field could make sense a, a few times a game. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you, but, like, it's it's weird, right? So, like, if you remember um, the play that Miles Davis was in that got busted, right? The formation was 21 personnel. They had two tight ends on the left side of the line, and I don't know what Miles was supposed to do, but typically if you have two tight ends on one side, you it's like an overload onto that side, right? So you run, you know – whatever we used to call it student body left student body right where everyone just runs to the heavier side but they didn't do that and i don't know what they were supposed to do when the play uh when miles davis was in that play and it got blown up but um you know they're showing that they're showing these different packages but they're just not running the typical thing that comes out of those packages when you have two tight ends on one side you usually run dive to that side with the extra Mitch has Mitch has been quiet, meaning he's working on an article. Mitch, uh, are, are you done? Uh, are you done multitasking over there? The answer is no. He is still no. working on that article. Uh, is he just writing everything we're saying? Let, <laughs> <I don't, clears throat> sorry, I've got one more uh, comment related to this group before I get out of here. Um, I'm looking ahead at the next opponent. Because that next, because here, here, I, I just have to say this. I was watching them earlier tonight, and when that team comes to Provo, I just don't see how they don't come in as an absolute mess. Uh, I, I don't think Logan Bonner's the starter anymore. Five picks today, um, especially after Blake Anderson just uh, ripped his fan base apart and, and reminded them that that Logan won them a Mountain West Conference title a year ago. And then he comes out on the field and, and just – just it was just awful. Awful Utah State's in shambles. Uh, this is a game where BYU, if they don't um, just dominate before they go to uh, Notre Dame the following week, then um, gosh, I, I would be a little bit of concern. But anyway, I just wanted to – I just thought I'd throw that in there for whatever reason. What's, I uh, killed the room. Kind of. Where are you going with this? That, that BYU is going to blow their doors off on on Thursday? I'm saying they should, right? Like they oh, should yeah. have tonight. <laughs> like 
it, I'm not saying BYU wasn't wasn't great tonight, but it, I think uh, I think most people would agree that they didn't expect. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't expect it to to be as slow of a start as it was, and and for Wyoming to be um, as successful as they were at times in the game. But um, it just felt like um, this was an opportunity to. Um, Sorry. Hello? Yes, Sam, you're, you're still here. <laughs> I lost my earbud for a second. Um, no, it felt like it was an opportunity for BYU to really kind of, uh, I don't know, not not erase the demons, but just to remind everyone uh, how dominant they are. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's wrap up uh, with this. Uh, final comments from those still alive at 2 a.m. here. Uh, the music finally turned off for those who care at Laval Edwards Stadium. Ian Mitchell have been doing this for a long time. Normally the music is done. I can't imagine what the neighbors around here were thinking at 1.30 as Pink and the Jonas Brothers are blaring through the speakers at Laval Edwards on a Sunday. But uh, the music is over, which is probably signaling that we need to get out of the building. But... Uh, Final thoughts. I'll go first, and then we can all go around and uh, and wrap it up. But I thought the um, the defense, the score doesn't look great, but I I thought they played very well in that second half, guys. It was it was pretty encouraging actually because at the break, the defense, uh, you know, Wyoming had nineteen minutes of possession in the first half. They only had ten in the second half. Uh, they had almost a hundred yards rushing. You know, in the first quarter, it seemed like they finished with 124. So whatever they did at halftime, I thought was was great, and it also helps too when the offense is clicking and they're on the field longer. But uh, whatever Elisa Tuiaki and the defense did in the second half, uh, good adjustments on them. My only nitpick to that would be could those adjustments come maybe a little sooner than halftime? I thought Mitch made a great point on our post game video on on, on Twitter where when the opponents are better, if you wait that long, the game might be out of reach, like it was in Oregon. So uh, that maybe that's a little nitpick, but I did like the response of the defense. Yes, I agree. Um, um, I'm going to tell one thing that I noticed at the end of the game also was that, that I found – I don't know. I don't want to say it was shocking, but kind of a surprise. Look at the time of possession between the two teams, almost identical. Um, and yet, uh, obviously, um, offensively, BYU was able to, to move the ball, move it pretty quickly, especially uh, as the game progressed. But, but again, I'm going to piggyback on what you said about um, the Cougar defense, the way that they were able to slow Wyoming's roll, right? Uh, they still Wyoming had the ball just as long as the Cougars, but they could not move the ball uh, later in the game. They turned it over on downs, um, you know, punted. I want to say like three, three of their four or five possessions of the second half. Maybe it was more than that. I can't remember. But but um, I was much more um, pleased, even though Wyoming had the touchdowns. Uh, I, I feel like they were kind of almost gifted some opportunities there thanks to the referees too though right the uh what was the fumble what was the it should have been an incomplete pass right but it was um a chop block and they yes and that would have anyway, set up fourth down so, so right that, that was maybe. that was a disaster so so i don't think you can pin pin that one necessarily on the defense um so i agree with you pleased with how the defense ended the game you have to be if you're a cougar fan Agreed. All right, Mitch. Mitch is making his triumphant return. What are your final thoughts here, Mitch? Oh, uh, Matt, you didn't have to leave. Uh, you could just muted the mic. Um, <laughs> yes, I think that BYU is going to be okay. I think that uh, you know, the win's a win. That's the closing remark. I think that the, the depth is going to be tested. Uh, and that is going to lend itself probably to some losses in the near future. However, I think that, you know, I'm curious to see what becomes this week uh, the quick turnaround for BYU uh, and, the, and the personnel. Uh, you know, I just think that this running back situation is very interesting uh, when, you know, Chris Brooks basically kind of gets benched. Uh, what's going to be the aftermath of that? 
Uh, Miles Davis will naturally become a national story in college football if he is the starter starter going forward because of that name. It's like I'm seeing these national college football writers tweeting about Miles Davis. I'm like, I've been saying the Miles Davis name for like three, four years now in the recruiting trail. Uh, this is old news to me, but now it's becoming a little bit uh, late night mainstream in the college football world. Excited to see what maybe direction that goes for BYU. Uh, but, you know, what? I just feel like it, it's kind of one of those games where I don't really maybe, you know, five to seven years from now, I'm not going to remember much details from it. It just feels like kind of one of those pedestrian games of independence. Uh, BYU will be returning the visit to Laramie in 2024. We kind of knew that already, considering after the Big 12 invite, BYU pushed up the date of the Wyoming game in 2024 two weeks earlier. Uh it was kind of like an, uh, an under-the-radar under the radar sort of thing. It went up from September 28th to September 14th. And uh, Tom Holmwood and I had said on, on the BYU Sports Network uh, pregame show that they will be returning the visit. And I don't think BYU is in the, in the market to be paying out fees to buy out games. And I also don't think they're in the market to uh, – well, not that they would have to because they're going to a P5, but I don't think they want to burn bridges with an old Mountain West rival because – you know, I saw Tom Berman, uh, the Wyoming AD, getting his Tucanos on in front of me, and I'm like, this was the man that just had a bitter angst towards BYU, you know, 12 years ago, and I think that, you know, BYU likes having some of those old-school Mountain West relationships. Tom loves the uh, – Tom Homo loves the history of BYU football, and there is history between BYU and Wyoming. So uh, it was good to see the – the Pokes back in Provo once again. There was a nice contingent of Wyoming fans in the stands. I reconnected with some uh, Wyoming fan that I knew way, way back in the day in the MySpace days. And we were reconnecting over the old Big Monday games back in the day between BYU and Wyoming. So uh, pretty cool to uh, catch up with some of those folks. But uh, BYU gets a win. I feel like it should. we're going to be here like in a matter of hours because it's a Thursday game, which hasn't happened in a long time. BYU has a quick turnaround on a Thursday night. That used to be the thing whenever they were playing San Diego State or Colorado State. BYU's going to have a quick turnaround again. Haven't seen this in a long time. Looking forward to it. And uh, I'm about to fall asleep, so wish me well as my drive home back to back to Murray. But uh, I will talk to you all next time. And uh, this will be available on the podcast feed. And signing off from uh, LES. Talk to you soon. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.